Good morning and welcome to the Coffee and Cap Rates podcast, your go-to source for New York City's latest commercial real estate insights. This program is brought to you by Ariel Property Advisors. Hi, everyone. I'm Shimon Shkuri with Ariel Property Advisors, and today I'm here with my partner, Mike Tortorici, and we're going to talk about the Manhattan development market, sales, and outlook. Mike, how are you doing? Doing well, Shimon. How about yourself? I'm doing well, thank you. And Manhattan is always the interest of the world, not just New York City. We have eyes all over it. A lot of things happened in the past decade in the Manhattan development market. And we've seen numbers, we've seen statistics, we've seen ups and downs, we're getting out of COVID, things are looking better. You want to give us a little bit of an overview of what we've seen over the past, so to speak, close to a decade in the Manhattan development market? Sure. Yeah, the last couple of years have been pretty rough, but I think it's a good idea to kind of zoom out first and give us some insights on where we've been and where we're going. So between 2012 and about 2018, the market would see on average about 50 development site sales per year. That started to soften in 2019 with only 33 sales taking place. Market kind of felt that the, the supply was building up. And then 2020 happened, COVID happened, and things fell even further with only 18 sales taking place in 2020. Most of those were put in contract pre-COVID, and we've kind of been clawing our way out ever since. I'm hearing what you're saying, and I agree with you 100%. The average price for buildable is growing slightly, but one of the things you and I spoke about before is the small sample size. But yeah, go ahead. Keep going. So in 2021, we're on pace to have about 20 development site sales, which is kind of consistent with what we were seeing coming out of the last recession. And pricing-wise, we've got a ways to recover. As you just said, the sample size is small, so you got to be careful when dealing with averages. But right now, we're looking at about 430 per buildable square foot. This is on a level not seen in probably about a decade or so. As the fundamentals are improving, we're starting to see developers act with a little bit more confidence that I think will translate to more sales activity next year and beyond and, and probably improve pricing as well. Yeah, and in addition Uh, to uh, some interesting recent comps, you put in contract a deal on East 13th Street, right? Yeah, that's one that I think speaks to the confidence of the market. It'll be closing next month, and it's a small development site, but great location, 13th Street around the corner from Union Square. And we had some very healthy bidding activity, both in terms of volume and pricing from the get-go. But still, there was still some caution, even though the location was great. There was definitely still some caution. But we were seeing well north of 500 a buildable all day long on that site. You know, you look at some other trades that have happened over the course of the year that I think are indicative of where we are right now. Grid Group's purchase of 142 West 21st Street, a 61,000 square foot site that went for about 500 a buildable per square foot in Chelsea, a great location in Chelsea. That's a, a 15, 20% markdown, at least from what they would have seen in better times. And then, you know, one that is also a bit surprising to me on the low end, but, you know, not surprising at the same time, given the market that we're in right now is 429, 37nd Avenue, a 45,000 buildable square foot site, nice area of Kipps Bay that went for 329, a buildable foot. So there's some divergences here in the market, but overall, I think we're starting to see some improvement. Mike, I think you're absolutely right that the grid group's purchase is a great purchase at $500 a buildable square foot in Chelsea. It's amazing to me because I remember 800 and, and close to or above $1,000 mm-hmm. a buildable foot numbers back in the day and was a few years back. So 
I think that in terms of fundamentals and, and what we're seeing in the residential rental market and now in the condominium market, I definitely expect prices to go up. One of the things we said in our coffee and cap rates in the beginning of 2021 is that one of the major opportunities in the city today are land prices in Manhattan below 96th Street. And, and we're definitely seeing the developers are taking advantage and prices are starting to go up. And you want to talk a little bit more about the fundamentals and, and maybe where we're going to see things moving forward? Yeah, just real quick. Everyone knows about the improving rental market. Vacancy fell sharply over the summer, and now we're back to pre-pandemic levels of about 2%. The median rent right now, according to Miller Cicero, is about 3500 a month, which is shy of what we were in 2019, but consistent with 2016 to 2018 levels. And the median condo price, $2.4 million, consistent with 2015 levels. Smaller units are selling right now, but really, I think the most encouraging sign for the development, you know, the market for development sites is the falling inventory of units on the market. And if you go back a year, October 2020, there was 19.6 months of supply. And since then, it's it's really fallen like a rock. Six months later in April, it was down to 13.7 months of supply. And now here, October 2021, we're at 6.7 months, which is less than six months. And also for units under 2 million, there's less than six months of supply. So as that dwindles, developers are going to get a lot more bullish. You know, you contrast that with Brooklyn, which hasn't had as deep of a downturn for the development site market. Their inventory right now is at 5.6 months, and it's been well below Manhattan levels throughout COVID. So that's a metric we're really following closely. And I think it suggests some brighter days ahead for Manhattan development sites. Yes, and in terms of legislation, we're expecting the 421A, the property tax abatement, to hopefully improve or change and go away in in the middle of next year. Hopefully, the legislators will be cautious enough to make sure that the development community wants to keep developing rental buildings. Is that affecting Manhattan below 96th Street? I mean, it usually doesn't affect Manhattan as much as it does the outer boroughs because the reality is, you know, people say that 421A is, is a giveaway to developers. But really, I see it more as a way to make, as you just said, rental building, rental development more competitive in markets that would otherwise go condo, which is basically what Manhattan is. The land prices in Manhattan are so high that the only way for a developer to make sense of it when they spend five, six hundred dollars a buildable square foot plus is to build condo and then pass the taxes on to the consumers. Yeah, no, and, and I just want to add one thing, Max, because it's important. We're talking about Manhattan below 96th Street, but the viability of developing outside of Manhattan, in the boroughs, developing a rental building in a place where you cannot have condominium sellouts to support development are critical as well. And in the boroughs, in many cases, if there's no tax abatement, there's zero viability to developing land. So if there's no tax abatement or property tax abatement, what you're going to see is no development in the boroughs. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw that last time when there was that pause back in 2016, 2017. Our development site sales in the Bronx, a lot of them hit pause because the developers did not want to commit to new projects until they knew what was going to happen with the tax abatement program. If there's going to be trades taking place, then values would have to fall. That takes a long time to happen. And then the, the market, as you just said, adjusts. But we need supply right now. We need to incentivize the supply of new units, and 421A has, has been a good way of doing that, especially in the outer boroughs. 
So let's just jump into the Soho rezoning real quick, and then let's wrap it up by what you think is going to happen in 2022. Yeah, I think it's exciting. You know, MIH has been mostly deployed in areas of the Bronx and, and East New York. They did MIH mandatory inclusionary housing, for those of you that don't know, has been accompanied with recent rezonings. It was also done in Upper Manhattan and Gowanus, and the results have been kind of mixed. I'm optimistic about it being successful in Soho because you're taking commercially zoned properties with relatively low density and drastically increasing their buildable area, making them also viable to do residential, and then attaching an affordable component on that. So I think this can be successful because the values in Soho are high enough that they can support affordable housing within them. And the ownership of buildings down there and the smaller buildings, there's a lot of industrial losses, a lot of retail. It's not going to happen overnight, but I do think that there are pockets along Broadway and particularly on the corners of the rezoning that they've done where there's some real viable development sites that can bring some great scale and some much needed residential supply to that area. And my hope is that it's successful here and that the next administration takes some of these lessons that we've had from rezonings and MIH and, and applies it to other low density areas of the city that could use it. East Village comes to mind. They did a down zoning during the Bloomberg administration. I think that they should reverse that and up zone. And, and even if you put MIH on that, just get some supply in there. Hell's Kitchen has a lot of low density areas that could possibly benefit from this. So hopefully this is the start of a new wave of rezonings in Manhattan and areas that could use the supply. Great. So this is basically trying to go win-win between the landlord and the administration or the developers and administration to create more affordable housing, even if it's mandatory in lieu of increasing the ability to build more. So 2022, if you ask me, I think is going to be super active year for land and for development in general in the city in Manhattan below 96th Street as condo market is improving and as lenders actually improve their appetite for condo developments. Mike, any last words for 2022 before we wrap up? Aside from the lending environment, I think we're also going to be paying attention to the international capital coming back to the city, both in terms of developers as the global economy heals and the country is growing strong. New York is always a great place for international capital to deploy. And I think that that's going to happen once again. And also the same goes for international buyers that coming out of COVID, no one's been coming to New York, at least not in the, in the way that they have. And with things opening up again, I think we'll not only see new investment here, but also new end users coming to the market because New York is, is always the, the place to be. That's fantastic. So very optimistic to 2022. Mike, thank you so much for doing this with me. And thank you, everybody. 